Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this podcast and we pray that it blesses you. For any information on this sermon or our other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Oh, you're looking great today. Did you check out the row that you're sitting in? Have a look along. See, they're looking great, aren't they? Tell you what I really enjoyed this morning, especially in first service. Michaela, who's not on the stage anymore, but just as Michaela was singing that song, I'm a child of God, and just knowing a little bit about Michaela's testimony and stuff, and just seeing the boldness and the bright shining as you sang that, it was just awesome. I just really enjoyed that. All righty. Um, when uh, Liz gets up here, she tells you a few things about herself, so I thought I'd tell you one or two things about me. I, well, I love walking, that's not a secret, and um, it's part of staying sane, and it's also an opportunity to pray. And uh, so last Sunday, I was um, walking pretty quickly because I needed to get back in order to get to church and not be late, and uh, I passed this guy about 10 years older than me, and he said, as I went past, I heard this voice behind me, oh, you walk fast, I could never catch a woman like you. <laughs> Didn't sink until afterwards, but at the time I saw, you probably could have once, thinking, he's just talking about walking fast. No, I couldn't. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, I wonder if... Anyway, going back a bit further. When I was a kid, the first nine years of my life, we lived in this old house, um, in Bishopdale area, just along from Bishopdale School, and we had a big one-acre section and orchards on a couple of sides, and we were allowed to climb over the fence and take apples and stuff like that off the ground. And um, we used to play a lot outside, and there's a story that goes once that I antagonised my older brother so much that he started, we're outside, and he started chasing me. He must have been playing in the sandpit because he had a tin spade in his hand. That was before you had plastic and there were days before plastic. And um, anyway, as he was chasing me, he threw this tin spade, and he was perfect shot, and like a tomahawk slipped the back of my head open. And um, so mum had to pop me into the child's seat on the bike and bike down to the doctors and get me stitched back up again. I still don't know what I did. I'm sure it wasn't worthy of that. But anyway, I think it was the same brother on another night, um, Guy Fawkes night, and uh, we wouldn't have had a lot of fireworks, and one of them hadn't gone off. And so as he walked into the house, he, without thinking, just threw it into the fire, which was going. And uh, you know, fire does help fireworks to go, even if they're duds. And this thing, I think it was a rocket, actually took off um, in the house, which is not a good thing to do. So kids, if you're listening, um, just remember that. Um, we had an outside... Um, wash house and an outside loo and it was not a flushing one and it was not a composting one it was one of the other kind and uh, and so you know rats and mice actually quite enjoyed the environment nearby and and going out at night it was you know not fun and um, but I can remember my dad would set traps for mice and, and for rats and I remember seeing um, particularly on the driveway one time a rat I'm sure it was that big. And, uh, you know, they get as big as kittens, those things. I know some people keep pet rats, but when you've got something with yellow teeth that stick out like this, and oh, they're just revolting creatures. So anyway. All right, so last week, Glenn was talking about how well do you stack up. 
and uh, he was talking about that Jenga game and about the foundation of wisdom. And if you didn't hear last week's message, do listen to the podcast, a really great message on wisdom. And um, one of the things he said was that God wants to empower us to outsmart our issues. And I'm just going to get you to repeat that because it's a really important phrase. So God wants to empower us to outsmart our issues. Because first of all, you've got to actually own that you've got issues. <laughs> but anyway, he does. And, uh, and as we heard Glenn talking earlier on about shining, you know, we want to get that foundation secure so we can build straighter and higher and shine brighter and have more influence in our community. And so there's a part of that a wisdom that I want to share with you today. And, and this little bit of wisdom will help you do well in life. In fact, if you're married or if you're... Um, in a team of any kind, a sports team, or you're at school, or you are uh, employed and work with other people, or you employ others, anywhere where there's people, you need this skill. In fact, if you're married, you really, really need it. I heard somewhere recently that before marriage, opposites attract. After marriage, opposites attack. (laughs) Not talking about your marriage, of course. All right, so let's see if this little story here will give us a clue as to what we want to talk about. Um, Back to the previous one, please. Oh, no, this is it. You're right. No, you're not. I want the Matthew one. Back. Yes. Coming to his hometown, Jesus began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Uh, questions are coming now. I mean, isn't this the carpenter's son down the road? Isn't his mother Mary and his brothers, they're, they're James, Joseph, Simon, Judas, and aren't all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offence at him. And if you know the rest of that scripture, it goes on and talks about how that Jesus couldn't do many miracles in that town. It talks about their lack of faith, but it talks about their offense. And I think of how, you know, that town actually missed out on having more of the kingdom come and be expressed in their world. And I believe there's a connection, not only with our faith, but with this thing called offense where we can limit heaven in our world, the expression of heaven in our world. So a little piece of wisdom is around this thing today called offense. And there's lots of examples in the New Testament. In fact, if you just read through, you'll find that all the people that got ticked off with Jesus for one reason or another, their pride, they're thinking that their religious works were better than someone else's. They're thinking that a holy person like Jesus shouldn't allow that sinful woman to to touch him, and lots of other instances in there. And uh, earlier in the year, I was reading through Colossians in the Passion Translation, which I absolutely love, and I'd already read this once. And then as I was reading it through this particular time, something really stood out to me. So let's just read these two verses. You are always and dearly loved by God, so put on the garment of the virtues of God. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others. Be compassionate, showing kindness to all. Be gentle and humble, 
be unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you've been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. And it was that be unoffendable. It's like that really startled me. And I thought, is it really possible to be unoffendable? I mean, so many things happen weekly, daily, opportunities to get offended. And we live in an age of perpetual offence. And as one speaker I heard said recently, Christians can be the most offendable people on the planet. And uh, sometimes it's because we have our expectations way up there. Anyway, I was thinking of um, worldwide examples, and I was thinking of Donald Trump being a a master at offence by tweet. And uh, thanking God that we don't have World War III that we're in at the moment between him and North Korea. And then just during the week, Pete noticed an article in the Herald um, about Middleton Grange School, and they'd had this day, a mufti day. Did you see it, some of you? Arranged a mufti day for their junior school, and they wanted to make them more aware of the plight of refugees in Syria, or Syrian refugees, and, uh, and just the difficulties they were living in. So they encouraged the children to dress um, like the photos they've seen of Syrian refugees. And then somebody took offence because um, they felt that was culturally inappropriate because a lot of refugees actually wear business suits and all the rest of it. But here's a school trying to do good and things like that happen. Um, that's the kind of age that we live in. So the first thing to realise in all of this is that opportunities for offence will come regularly and by the truckload. That is life. And the Greek word for offend, I know you're waiting for the word for today, and uh, is the word scandalon. Now, scandalon was actually originally the name of the piece of the trap to which bait was actually attached. If you ever set a mouse trap or a rat trap or a possum trap or a bear trap, (laughs) <laughs> and then you touch it with a stick. Um, you know what happens. And uh, the animal even may be aware that it's a trap, but will try and still get that bait. It's so much like us. We can be aware that an offence is like a trap, but we think somehow we can take the bait and not get caught. But that's what happens. That trap is triggered, it closes up on us, and we are trapped in it. And unlike the mousetrap, where you can open it, somebody else will come along and open it and let you out, this trap of offence, only you can let you out. Only you. So we need to hear about how to get out of that trap. But first of all, we're going to learn um, shortly how not to get in it in the first place. So the whole thing is that it's better don't take the bait. And you see, this thing with offences... Offences are not given, they are taken. You hear that? You, you know, you hear people say, oh, you just took offence, or I took offence, they took offence. We take offence. Hopefully we don't give it too often. Yeah, but you don't know what so-and-so did to me all those years ago in 19, whatever it was, and, uh, and I don't need to know. And, and maybe it was a, a, a really bad thing and you really got hurt. But what I can tell you today 
is some Bible wisdom to get out of that so that you're not still living in that place. Because the Bible actually tells us in, um, in Matthew 5 that it's actually a prison. It talks about if you've, remember, you've got a fence towards your brother and uh, drop everything you're doing, even if you're in the middle of singing a worship song, and, and go and get it sorted. And it says, sort it while you're on the way because the judge might hand you over to the officer who will put you in prison. Or in other words, there is torment. It's the trap. It's the same thing. So we need to learn about this kind of stuff. It's easy to learn how, um, about it. It's doing it that's the card part. So part one, we're just going to check out how the trap works and how not to take the bait. But then we need part two, because if you're like me, sometimes you end up taking the bait. Okay, so we want to know how to bust out of that trap as well. So I've experienced some um, tricky times in a relationship in the last six months, and nobody from here, <laughs> and nobody that any of you know, so it's safe to tell the story. I'm not telling you names anyway. And um, so what had happened was I'd been doing a lot in this situation, and then um, this person, instead of acknowledging what I'd done, um, pointed out all the things that I hadn't done yet. And I felt, ah! And, and this thing rose up in me to want to defend myself. And the trouble was, you see, that I'd been dumb enough to open my emails just before I went to bed, and I found this email. And uh, that's not the right time of night to read one of those emails, and it's definitely not the right time of night to answer one of those emails. <laughs> However, so, but maybe you're one of those people that does not rise up and attack, maybe you just retreat and uh, you disconnect from that person, you push the defriend button in real life and, and just turn the other way. And we can have either of those kind of reactions. But I find that when someone misunderstands my heart or misinterprets it, that hurts. And, and so I need to work, I know I need to work on truth coaches to, to deal with that and uh, one of the truth coaches that I got from Dave Riddell years ago was, um, so what if somebody misunderstands my heart? God understands. And the other thing there is, Dave Riddell also taught that after you've taken Jesus as your saviour, you need to take him as your vindicator. You know what happens when you try and vindicate yourself in a situation? Usually it gets worse, doesn't it? Yeah, well, don't do it. Just take Jesus is your vindicator. And I just declare that sometimes. And uh, Jesus, you're my vindicator. I'm not going to try and sort this. This is over to you. The trouble is, you see, that we can hear lots of positive things said about us, but our mind obsesses on the one negative that one person said. And we replay it over and over. It's kind of like, you know, by then we've taken the bait and now we're nursing this little offense. Oh, you poor thing. You poor thing. And we're retelling ourselves over and over, rehearsing what went on. And, and the whole thing begins to mushroom. And uh, we create this kind of like a smoldering rubbish dump where there's supposed to be a garden of love. And then when we react wrongly and uh, get defensive, there's a flame shoots up out of it and then another flame. And then the whole thing is escalating. And I want to tell you that the last time I actually got this right, okay, with this person, I told myself in capital letters, don't take the bait. And then I told myself also, don't get defensive. 
And then I had some time looking at some scriptures, getting some peace, went into the situation, and it worked out really, really well, which was awesome. And then I've moved just towards that person in different ways as well. So one of the big things to realize is the trap was not set by that other person. It was actually set by the enemy. And I heard this um, by Stephen, Pastor Stephen Furtick said recently in his, well, I don't know it was recently, I heard it recently, the enemy's agenda is destruction, his strategy is division, and his tactic is offense. You see, he doesn't, once you take the bait and you're offended, he's not satisfied with that. He wants to take it to the next stage, where now there's, um, there's division. And then the next stage, where there's destruction, destruction of relationships or, or whatever. And, um, you know, there's this exponential effect. In fact, watch this little video clip of the exponential effect, hopefully. Now, I know you just want to go and get a piece of paper now and, and test that out. <laughs> I did once, actually, because I heard about the eight folds, that eight folds is just about impossible to do, and he's right. But to think that that number of folds, 50 folds, and it's earth to sun, is incredible. That's the exponential effect, and that's the exponential effect that the enemy wants to bring to create division and destruction. And so we've got to be so aware of that. So before things get to that stage, we need to do something. And um, how many of you here have kids that have allergies? Or maybe you have an allergy yourself. Okay. So when the kid, your child gets, um, say they eat the wrong thing or they, a bee touches them or whatever, what is the first thing that you do to treat them? Oh, good on you, Jared. <laughs> and then second... What is the second thing you do? Pardon? Antihistamine. Get the bottle of antihistamine out. How many get hay fever? You know, you take those antihistamines. Yeah, right. That's what you do. You reach for the bottle and, um, and take those. And, you know, that word, the word, and the same thing is that we need to um, resist the devil. 
so that we don't get caught up in this kind of stuff that we just learned about. Well, I just learned recently that the word resist is actually antihistamine, which is where we get the whole antihistamine from. It means to stand against or to oppose. And uh, so we just need to take a bit of antihistamine now and again and resist. Another thing to realize is that offenses spread easily. And, uh, you know, it's one thing nursing your offense and, and rehearsing it over and over, but repeating it is another whole level. Now you see you just fed the bait to somebody else and you got them in your trap as well. And so when I mentioned the word scandal, what English word did you think of? Scandal, yeah. And one of the definitions of scandal is defamatory talk and malicious gossip. So we're sharing our offence, <laughs> but we're actually at the beginning of creating scandal, according to this word. The Bible tells us, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You see, there is a grace of God to deal with an offence. And either you put on that grace of God to deal with the offence, or you land up putting on distorted lenses. Quite the fashion in the world today, distorted lenses. And um, the trouble is with distorted lenses, now every time you see that person or that situation, you see it through that distortion. And, uh, and then you, you go and have a little chat to somebody. And um, Larissa, I just, I just had a chat to you about that situation. And, and uh, so now I've just given her a pair of distorted lenses. And then, Michael, I had a chat to you about it too. So um, I'm giving you now a pair of distorted lenses. And <laughs> thanks, Josh. And now every time that they now see that person, they also, they also see that person through a distorted lens. And then, you know, it's not only distortion, it's John Bevere goes on to say, actually, it is deception. And that's a, another whole level. And the tricky thing about deception, the scary thing about it is we don't know that we're deceived and we just begin to believe whatever. Now, say I get everything sorted and I've removed my distorted lenses, but what people often forget to do is go back to the person they talk to and get back those distorted lenses. Look, it all got sorted. Just want you to know. Michael, can I? I no. <laughs> Come and see me at the end of the service and I'll let you keep them. Just for, just for taking part. So we need to get those back again. Otherwise, we've created another problem. Oh, and there's another one. The service is going slower than the other one. Uh, faster. All right, realise too that an offence is an event, but being offended is a decision. You can't control what's handed to you, but you can control what you do with it, or hopefully we can at least try. So a good question to ask when we get offended is, God, what emotional bruise did that touch in me? What sore place in me, or what button did it push? And then process that with God. There's all sorts of buttons that can be pushed. Pastor Stephen Furtick, to quote him again, he said, an unmet expectation 
is a breeding ground for offence. And the breeding ground of unmet expectations is unspoken or unagreed on expectations. It often happens in marriage. Unacknowledged efforts. You know, you did the work, but they didn't appreciate you like you think they should have. And that comes back to often performance orientation underneath that. Um, Things like the other person getting promoted or having favour or attention. And underneath that is jealousy. Um, There's all sorts of other things, heaps of them. And once you choose to respond in offence to an offence, your ability to make a difference in the whole situation is negligible. Whereas if you can respond in a better way, not taking that offence, you've actually taken the first step toward having influence in that situation. So, but what do you do if you took the bait? I know you want to know this. All right, realise that it's time to put on your big girl panties or your big boy trousers and deal with it. I said in the first service that I wanted to put up there, put on your big boy undies, but I didn't think you could say that in church. So it's big boy trousers and work through it. And, uh, you know, Paul in Acts 24, 16, he talks about practicing dealing with offense. He practiced it. He said, I exercise myself and discipline myself to have a clear conscience void of offense toward God and man. So what we need to do is put the offense there on the table and stand back and then check my, not their, my insecurity levels and my pride. Bring that before God. You know, just creating that awareness of self. Danny Silk talks about humility as having a good understanding of your effect on an environment. Um, or the footprint you leave in an environment. And so we need to be aware of that. You know, it's easy to get offended. Some people are very quick to get offended, but not be aware of how they create offence or potential for offence. And then what I would encourage you to do is turn, the Bible will tell you this as well, is to come around the other side of the table and take a look at that thing prayerfully, asking, hmm, actually, God... Somebody else said something like that to me a while ago. I think I need to own that bit and work on it. And then, Father, is there anything else that you want me to take note of that? Really? All right, I'll take that bit. God, is there anything more in that? Is there any more kernel of truth that I can learn? And you're hoping not, but probably there is. So you take another bit. Is there anything more? No. Sweep the rest into the rubbish tin, but do not sweep the person into the rubbish tin. Okay? Value them, because they just taught you something or about to teach you even more. And then ask Father to heal any hurt or wound, remembering from our key scripture in Colossians, you are always and dearly loved by God. And then forgive the person in your heart for the way that they have misjudged you or whatever. Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith and forgive. And just remember that Jesus forgave us way before we said, I'm sorry. All right, then you can either drop the offense. Can we just flick through? I think we might be too behind now. Then you can either drop it or deal with it. 
Now, there are lots of scriptures on dropping an offense, and a lot of them are in the book of Proverbs, which Glenn was telling us about the book of wisdom last week. Of course, our key one is be unoffendable. So that's a good one to start with. Love covers a multitude of sin. Great peace of they that love your word, and nothing shall offend them. Love overlooks the mistakes of others. You are virtuous when you overlook an offense. Bible's full of it. So we can sometimes just drop the offense. We've worked through it. But what if something's still sitting there? What if, having done all of that, you're still feeling <clears throat> inside, and particularly when you come across that other person? Well, then it's time to deal with it. Because if you leave it in there and just put on the, the good little Christian, your heart will actually grow colder towards that person and eventually colder towards God. And that is not good. So that's when we get into Matthew 5, which is what I mentioned earlier. If you're about to open your mouth to worship God or whatever and you remember about that offense, get it sorted. Get it sorted. If there's something to work through, next slide, then do it with humility and patience. And there's that scripture again from Colossians. And then apologize where you need to, even if you were the one who apologized first last time. And then if you come to an impasse, have someone that you both equally respect join you to try and work this through and resolve it. And it may take time. Bill Hybels um, talks about the tunnel of offense, tunnel of chaos rather. You know, you, you have a relationship that's not working right. Rather than walk away, he said, we need to go into the tunnel. And it's going to get messy in the tunnel but there is light at the end, and the secret is to not stop in the tunnel. And also be aware, it takes one to forgive, but two to reconcile. And it may be that you cannot fully reconcile because the other person won't join the party in doing that. And through it all, make an effort to stay connected during the healing process, that, that after time, so that there's healing that takes place. Otherwise, people build walls, they wall each other out, and uh, that is not a good thing, even though we want to. John Bevere says, when you develop strongholds or walls to protect yourself, you actually remove yourself from the protection of the authority of God. That's a bit scary, isn't it? So at the end of the day, don't take the bait. You know, if God dropped the charges against you and I, what offense is there in this universe that we can't let go of? See, it's not can't, it's won't, isn't it? And if you want the presence of God, remember the um, impact that Jesus could have had in that town, but didn't? If you want the presence of God, then you don't have the right to be offended. God wants to empower us to outsmart our issues, and specifically that one today as we've talked about it. Let's stand, and I want to pray with you and for you. If you just, you know, whatever posture you want to take just to receive from God and connect with Him in this, I'm going to pray the prayer, but I invite you to own as much of this prayer as Father is showing you. So if you just want to put your hands out or put your hand on your heart or kneel or prostrate yourself, <laughs> whatever. So Holy Spirit, you've been searching my heart as I've been listening. 
And now, Father, I ask you to highlight anything, any offense that I'm carrying towards anyone. If it's disguised as resentment or bitterness or a wall, whatever, show it to me right now. And Father, remind me of how much you love me so that my security is in you. And Father, I choose humility as I ask for your insight and perspective. What do I need to own? What do I need to disregard? I choose to forgive the person who offended me and release them from my judgment. And Father, I give you the hurt and the pain this offense has caused and I ask you to heal my heart and show me how to move toward them in love. Now, Father, do I drop it or deal with it? And if God's telling you to deal with it, then you've got homework. And it's a good idea to get homework done so you can get on with playing. Is there anyone I've talked to about this offence and handed a pair of distorted lenses? What do I do about that? Father, forgive me for partnering with the enemy's schemes to bring division and destruction. And help me to practice not taking the bait. Help me to practice being unoffendable because I want your presence more than anything. I give up my right to be offended. And I thank you for heaven's full expression in my world. Just while eyes are closed and we're in this place, it may be that you're here today and have never given your life to Jesus. And there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of offense. Unresolved and piling up, separating you from people, but also separating you from God. You know, God's got a solution for that. And we can do that in the next few seconds. And that is, he's inviting you to surrender your life to him so he can do that work for you. And uh, we're just going to pray a prayer right now. We'll pray this out together. Heavenly Father, please forgive me for living independently of you. Today I'm changing that. Today I'm giving you my all, everything I have and everything I am. And I thank you that in exchange, you give me love, peace and freedom. Jesus, you are now my Lord and forever I will serve you as my King. And today I choose to forgive others as you've forgiven me. Amen. Look, if you prayed that prayer for the first time and really meant it from your heart, we would love just to talk to you about that and give you some help and support to continue walking with Jesus. So please just make yourself known to one of us and we would love to help you. Let's just finish off by um, singing a great song here now. And if you'd like prayer for anything, when we're finished singing, we invite you just to come up and have people here to pray with you.